Welcome to Blended by McGraw-Hill. Welcome to Blended. I'm your host, Wes Hallam, and today I'm delighted to be joined by Catherine O'Connor. Uh, she is an education consultant, a career specialist, and author of Surviving Your First Year at University, A Student Toolkit. Uh, Catherine, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you here. Good morning, Wes. Great to talk to you today. Oh, brilliant. Um, so I wanted to jump in, actually, with with quite a... I think it's a good question. You, In your book, you call it surviving your first year at university. Why did you use the word surviving? Why did I use the word surviving? Well, I guess because that's what it is. You know, um, a lot hits you when you walk in those doors. Um, it's, it's new territory. It's maybe a new land, a new country. Uh, you may have uh, just moved home. You may have moved country, you may be with uh, people from, you will be with people from every culture, every background. You may have come from a very um, defined second level school experience. So the shock of walking in there and you're on your own and you feel you're on your own, it, it, it's it's like rabbits in the headlights. So it, you need to know what you're getting into. Uh, apart from choosing your academic course, which is one of the major issues in influencing your survival in that first year at university, it's so important to be able to feel your way around the campus, you know, not just geographically, but in the areas of developing skills that you will need uh, to survive in that first year. And those skills range from academic to social to interpersonal, you know, uh, a variety of skills that really you're you're well tested with all ditching thing so you say in the obviously in the title it's 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 surviving your first year at university um how do we what do we need to do to help students say from a from a higher education standpoint if i'm a if i'm a first year instructor if the mindset is students surviving and developing these new tools and, and what they need to, to learn and these skills, how do we, what do we need to do to, to help them to do that? I think the first thing is we need to make students aware of the services that are in our higher level institutions. And there are many services. There are services there to help everybody to, from managing finances to uh, engaging socially to managing academic uh, issues and and sometimes we we focus too much on one side or the other but it's a balanced approach because we must remember that students are you know around the ages of say between 17 18 19 uh, heading into a, a new learning experience so at, they're at the bottom of the ladder again so that they're climbing up that ladder and you know on the rungs sometimes the space is are a little wider on some rungs than others and and some will breeze through without a bother but some will hold um you know fears there there are a lot of fears in the student's mind you know will i achieve academically will i mix socially um you know will i be able for this there are 20,000 students here you know at this university i'm not used to these numbers i may never see the same person again we've just come out of covid um COVID has brought its own troubles where the socialization of the student has been compromised. And I think uh, as tutors and, and lecturers 
in the university system, they are very conscious of that. So they are trying to encourage students to take part in university life, and but also the realities of managing the day-to-day, -day, of uh, managing finances, of managing accommodation issues, um, getting used to a different form of learning, problem-solving learning, working in groups, study groups, and all of these uh, team learning, team building, team projects, working in teams. And again, students who think they may go to university without working in teams and working solo and they're brilliant working solo. You know, I'm sorry, but it's a team base is what we're looking for because team reflects the outside world that they we are preparing the students for. So lecturers and tutors are very conscious of this. So they're pushing the students in the directions of, you know, making use of the facilities. And that's one really strong tip I would give to all students is find out what is available at the university in which you are enrolling and make use of all the facilities that you can. Because sometimes we feel, oh, that's not for me. It's for somebody else, or maybe I don't need that help. Well, I think a little bit of humility. We all need help at some point. And I, for one, encourage all students to go and get as much assistance as they can on this sometimes challenging and, and somewhat difficult journey. And it's a very expensive journey. So, you know, we need to get value for money in all aspects and, and, and to try and think more strategically about ourselves moving into this new space. Because the students were now looking at a, a three, four year cycle into the workforce. Some will continue to study or, or, or um, study further and go into the world of academia, perhaps. But the majority of students want to get out the other side with a set of skills. And this is where surviving your first year at university toolkit really comes into its own. Because in that book, not only are there is there guidance with regard to finance, the academic skills, the socialization, but also there are tips about developing your career and, and looking around the corner and you know different different ways of engaging with industry throughout your time at university because uh, i i know that, I mean, that's all uh, that is really good advice for, for for anybody one of the one of the things i know you're quite involved in um uh, well you have, have a lot of experience in is that sort of career coaching and development for for, for individual students and um, one of the one of the criticisms actually that get that gets leveled at uh at students particularly first year students is that they don't engage as much with developing those sets of skills and have to uh, and often universities feel a bit more obliged to provide these development opportunities which i think they should do but how would you recommend a student go goes around the topic of, of being self-aware of where their skills and shortfalls are because a lot of a lot of say in the uk a lot of 18 year old students their validation comes from their academic skill set how do we help students to identify what their other skill groups are like because it's it's it can be quite a, a nebulous thing to know am i am i developing my skill set in in these other areas well enough how how would we how would you advise a student to recognize their their own kind of skill spread um i'm just trying to think about that now i suppose 
The first thing I would say is every student engage in absolutely everything you can. Get out there and be proactive. You know, sometimes we sit back and we're very sedentary and we're looking for the experiences to come to us. But you go out and reach out. And by virtue of the curriculum and the way it's designed now, there's a lot of teamwork, a lot of project work, which some students don't like and some students love and some students hide behind and some students thrive on. So I, um, my grandmother had a great saying, start as you intend to continue. And, and that's what I would say to students, get in there, get stuck in and find out what the demands are of the particular role that you're maybe assigned in a team. Why are you uh, taking the research part? Why are you taking the writing part? Why are you taking the technology part? Oh, they see that my technological skills are, you know, better than most in the group. But you yourself might say, but I need to work on my written skills. They're very good on that. I have noticed they are very good. And I've also noticed that I'm not so good. So how can I bridge that gap? So a lot of people talk about weaknesses. I talk about gaps. So there are gaps in us all. And it's, you know, we're, we're filling in the pores, so to speak. So as students take on different roles, say, particularly in these team projects, they suddenly realize that other people are good at something and they're good at something else, but there's nobody just so brilliant that we all can't aspire to, to filling in those pores with them. So I think it's to engage. And when you engage, to be aware of other people's engagement and how they interact. And also another thing um, with regard to assignment work, and, and again, the emphasis is put on the academics to give good feedback to students. And I would encourage students, if you don't get good feedback, to search it out. And when you get the feedback, to look at it and say, well, if I got 60% of this, what happened to the other 40 or the other 20 or whatever? Or if I got... 40%, a bare pass, or depending on what the pass mark is, how do I get it up another notch? How do I just improve myself another bit? Do I just turn around and say, okay, well, that's where I'm at? Or am I going to become more self-aware and say, that's where I'm at, but this is where I want to be. So what do I need to do to get up that next rung on the ladder? And that in itself, it's meaningful only if you do something about the feedback. And that's what I would encourage students to do. I think you're absolutely right. There's um, with the, there's often a, the the talk of students becoming independent learners at university, and, yes. and that's what it's designed for them to do. But mm. the only way you can be independent in your learning is when you learn from your own mistakes and you take the time to to go and improve and develop. There's a uh, sometimes a, a worrying trend, I think, particularly in the in the regions where universities are paid uh, activity. You know, say like the UK, where there are fees, and that the the business model is shifting. It all feels like it's shifting more towards a if I turn up to university, I will get my degree because I'm paying for it, and I just have to sit through the next three, four, five years, and I will get my degree at the end of it. But you kind of identified really well there is that. It, it's a preparation for for the world outside. It's a preparation for getting into a into a job where you are going to not be as good as other people at some things. You're going to have some gaps. You'll be better than uh, than them at some. But absolutely, mm. you have to. You have the the time to learn how to grow and develop 
it's not in your first job. You don't want to be learning the process of, of, of growing. You want to be understanding how do I address those gaps? How do I address those challenges that I might have? Because um, you're never going to be perfect, but it's a much safer environment to do it within the university space than it is to do it in your first job where you've got somebody who is breathing down your neck to, to get X, Y, Z done. Um, Absolutely. And I'm I'm glad actually you raised that issue of, uh, you know, you pay the fee and you get the degree because um, dare I say it, but I, I, I think it's common knowledge that perhaps there's a slight sense of entitlement there that, you know, um, we're, we're in a generation where we pay and we get uh, and and we're in this environment of everything is instant. You know, we Google it, you got the answer. We, you know, put it into the new AI machine, we got the answer. You know, so it's, we've 24-7 shopping, we have the answer. But nothing will prepare you for the assignment that's due on the first of the month and you have to get the blood, sweat and tears done. So um, you have, you've got to work for it. I, I think to go in with any other mindset uh, into university and to survive it, I'm afraid you might end up being the wrong side of the statistic there. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's an interesting time, I think, for for you know we've seen you know the rise of the the rise of the internet made knowledge transfer very easy. It was instantaneous and very quick. But and I think the similar thing we're seeing with with AI and generative tools, generative tools of suddenly creating things is very easy. Um, and from our kind of a, a business perspective, we look at it and we go, okay, how is this going to enable us to do other things more quickly or, or, or to speed up our processes? But you have to understand what that process is first. You have to know, you have to engage in. And similarly with um, self-development, it's not something that you can just purchase. Um, well, Yes, you, and, you, and you, again, you, that, that word purchase, you know, product this isn't a product we are selling. This is an experience. This is part of your growth life. You, you know, kindergarten up to whatever age, you then went to a primary situation, then went to secondary. It's another wave of development and, you know, preparing again for the world of work, which is tough out there. It's 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 doggy dog kind of environment and the survival of the fittest. And again, it's about surviving. Remaining intact, I think, after the experience really would be how I would describe it. Exactly, exactly. Um, there was actually something I wanted to touch on uh, that that the word "surviving" cropped up again, and it's it's a really it's a really powerful word um, to to be using. And within the book, you do talk about um, self care and about that kind of resilience and 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 how to survive um what do you think that students need to be aware of when they come they're coming out of a of a pretty protected environment within school where there are lots and lots of checks on on their progress their well-being they're still normally living at home at that point they've got parents or guardians who are actively looking after them after them um and then they move into this big scary space where they are one of a very large number of people um how do we make sure that students when they come to university are they might not necessarily be prepared for it but how do we make sure that they you know remain 
that they carry on looking after themselves and that they develop those kind of resiliencies that we need them to. Well, I think there are a couple of things there that that I might address in that. You mentioned that I meant I talked about self-care in the book. And yes, I'm, I'm very much about the development of self for, for us all, for myself, for people I coach with regard to careers, for students, for whatever. Awareness of self is massive in, in trying to get across many barriers in life. And, you know, the self being broken down to um, the physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. I don't mean religious here. I mean, spiritual, your own space and uh, interpersonal communicative side of self. So there, there's a lot of self out there. And um, it's it's sort of trying to prepare the self for these bashes and bruises. And But then there's a wave of, a, a beautiful wave comes of, of this exposure. And it's very exciting. It, it's a very exciting time where you can start from scratch again and say, right, I'm into a new era here. Have a new self, new me, and I'm going to embrace it. But I think before you kind of turn that key, uh, uh, for want of, uh, of a better uh, physical introduction to the campus, before you turn that key, I say there's a lot you can do in terms of, you know, what you might like to do when you get there. What excites you? What was not offered along your journey so far? Is there something that you feel you might like to uh, take up outside of the course. Maybe it's another language. There are loads of language labs in, in the universities that will facilitate this informal learning. Maybe it's uh, photography, maybe it's um, skydiving, whatever it might be, that there are a lot of things on offer besides the academic experience that will define the whole person. And also friends. Friends are very, very important. You know, we miss the old friends and we're nervous of the new, but also we need to adopt positive people on the way. I consistently say this to students, we don't want people who are going to bring us down. We want people who are going to lift us up. Now, likewise, when you get you know, into a, a, a group of people and you become chums for life and you do, you make new friendships, you, you, you break down new barriers and, and they're wonderful. They are there for you in your time of difficulty, but they're also there to share the joy with you. And um, I think to prepare mentally, this is going to be a different experience. You are going to have fears. You are going to say, what am I doing here? It's a bit like, I think if we could compare, have you ever been to a function and you were you were, you were told to go in and maybe as a, as, a, as a young graduate in the workforce or whatever, and you're, you have to attend a function of 200 people and you have to go to the CEO and ask for a statement or something. And you're there going, oh my God, how am I going to go across that room? I don't know anyone. I've never been here before. I think that, you know, the ground is, I wish it would open up and just swallow me. But nobody else is feeling that way in that situation. Nobody is looking at you. We feel everybody's looking at us. But the difference here is, when you are in the freshers week, everybody there feels the same way, even though they may appear very confident, uh, very shy, whatever, but everybody has their fears and their expectations. And it's a question of managing those fears and managing the expectations. So it's a bit like the spider in the bath. At what point do you freak and call 
you know, services, the fire brigade, or do you say, okay, hold on a second now, I'm in control here. If I gently just move, you know, a bit of cardboard and get the spider out, or now it's different to being in Australia, of course. Now we we have to be careful, <laughs> not the, the black widow or, or whatever. But it's 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 just managing those fears and and taking a, a deep breath and saying, okay, it's new for everybody, it's new for me too, and maybe acknowledging the challenges that you actually find on the way and maybe writing them down and pen and note paper i'm a great believer in it or your phone or whatever jot them down and say i'll deal with that now in my own time i'll park it for now but i'll deal with it later i your i i really liked your analogy there um it's uh i was listening to a group of um a group of psychology students the other day because I, I like to go and, and listen to when I'm out on campus and just go and listen to conversations um amazing and, mm. oh, oh, you, oh you, can, it's fantastic. you can learn so much it's yes, brilliant absolutely. but they they had a they had a very similar analogy um because I, I think I think they were they were gamers they played a lot of video games and one of them just said that everyone is filled with main character energy in that they think that they are far more important to everybody else than they are, <laughs> but that 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 everybody thinks they are the main character in their own story, and they are. That's that's what it is. And they said, how many times in a in a game do you pay attention to what the side character is doing over what you're doing? At the side character, you don't think about you're not staring at them, you're not looking at them, you're looking at the main character in this story. And that's, you know, exactly in that freshest week, everybody thinks, oh, my God, I'm I'm doing I'm doing this. I'm wearing this or whatever. Everybody, everyone is going to be looking at me and judging me and thinking, oh, they don't, you know, and 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 being very negative. But they are being just as panicked and scared and nervous about themselves because they, they're the main character. Funny when you're talking about that, I'm, I'm reminded actually of something that uh, having conversation with students actually about this. And you sort of say, you can pick out the law students, you can pick out the business students, you can pick out the art students, you can pick out the design or whatever else it is, because we revert to type. In second level, probably, you, you know, you've come out of uniform and whatever, and everybody's trying to break the code and, you know, wear earrings everywhere when they shouldn't be and, you know, wear green when they should be wearing black. And, you know, that's natural. And then you walk in and you can wear whatever you want. Oh, my God, you could do whatever you want. Nobody cares if you have 40 earrings out of your nose or 60 tattoos or 400 feathers hanging or, you know, or you wear a skirt or you don't wear a skirt. Nobody cares. And that's kind of quite hard to understand because nobody does care. It, And the strange thing about it is there isn't a discipline problem. There isn't chaos. It just works. And then suddenly people are saying, oh, well, actually, I, I would rather like to be like you. And I'd rather like to be like you. So we come again like um, Brown's cows, do we say? And all of a sudden, we're all wearing the same plimsoll that we bought for $3.99 in Tesco or whatever. And it's part and parcel of the experience. You see, we all want to belong, no matter where we are. While you might come in, you know, so feeling and looking a bit quirky, but inside you're kind of saying, I just want to belong. I just want to be part of something. And that's one thing I find with students. They just love it when, when they feel they belong. And you, you can see it on students. You walk down campus and you can see those who belong and those who don't. And for those who don't belong, um, they have a lonely journey and a long journey. They stick it out a lot of the time, 
but it's 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 not a very rewarding journey on the way for them. It's rewarding at the end because they get that parchment and whatever. But I said to students, make the most of it because learning is wonderful. You know, we're learning how to learn rather than learning for learning's sake. And, and I think that's probably one of the fundamental differences of the graduate of today, the speed at which we have to keep up with information. Now, I know information is coming in so many different ways and, you know, what is truth and what is lie and what is false truth and whatever. So um, we're getting into philosophy here now. So <laughs> is that a chair? No, it's not a chair. I, I, that's, that, that was my degree. So oh, um, right. I'm okay, so, well versed in arguing okay, about chairs. Okay. Well, I'll stop right there before you catch me out. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, you are, you're totally right. The um, one thing I, I think, particularly when you see students transitioning from, from secondary education, where they're all normally from you know that their, their their friends and classmates are they're from the same town they're in the same class they're studying exactly the same things it's much more there's a lot of presumed cohesiveness of that group because you know they all have fairly similar social and environmental experiences you know they, there will be a lot of variations between them but generally you no know, they all came from birmingham or whatever it happens to be they're all from this town they're all from this and then if you look past university when you're when you're in the world of work again your your links your ability to 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 get to know people is mostly limited to who do i work with where do i live what do i do on a you know and, and the only real variation is then what do i do with my non-work non-sleep time how am i going to find those people and, and and do those things but at university there is such an opportunity to you to find the things that are that will connect you to others especially if you're an international student or you're coming from a long way away you've got no you don't necessarily have the same shared experiences as as the other people that you're with but what what is very important is creating those shared experiences whilst you're in that space you know the, the some of the some of my lifelong friends who I met at university I met for entirely bizarre reasons but unless you're engaging, as you said, unless you're getting involved and you're making the most of that time, it's very difficult. It's, it, it's well, university is the easiest time to make those connections, to find those things. One, because you you tend to have more time to go and do those things, but also it's a it's the most melting of melting pots that you will find of people because there are, there's every walk of life, every interest, everything like that. It's, uh, yeah, it's funny, I, I give a lot of motivational talks to student groups and parent groups across the country, across the world. And, you know, I just say, get out there and explore. You know, you have to kind of be a bit brave and a bit bold, but you have to be a bit selfish as well, because this is your journey. And, and that's what I say to students. It's not anybody else's. It's not your brother, your sister, your mother, your father, your school, whatever. So for the first time in your life, you have nobody breathing down your neck saying, no, well, you can't go to sport because, as I said, you haven't got the right gym gear or you can't, whatever. You know, you can jump in the river with no clothes on if you feel like it. But it, it, it's it's just, it, it's been offered to you on a plate. That plate is very full. It's a big plate. So you need to pick and choose. So, you know, if you have an allergy to shellfish, you get rid of those straight away. And, and then you kind of start, you know, filtering down and saying, maybe I might just like to try something different maybe I might you know be a person who doesn't do any public speaking or presenting or 
So how am I going? How am I going to get over that one? I'm I'm so nervous when I go out to give a talk or, to, or when I'm asked to present in college or, and you know I'm doing a marketing degree and it's all about making presentations and and I'm just absolutely run away. What will I do about that? You see, in this system, you can get assistance without drawing attention on the fact that you feel you have this big gap because so many people around you have the same gap. So then you talk to others and say, what do you do when you're nervous? How do you handle this? How do you handle that? So it's about learning to learn, I feel is about asking the right questions and asking the right questions about yourself as well as about others, as about, you know, inquiring, an inquisitive mind. It's so, I, I would have said, what's my greatest gift from my parents was having that sense of inquiry. And I think it's the sense of inquiry that, that brought me to, to writing this book and other books I've written. And, and it's that sense of inquiry that just wants me to share all of this with the young people who are coming into a system. If I knew then what I know now, I, do you know, I, I think I'd definitely be ruling the world. <laughs> yes, I think everybody gets struck a little bit with um, with regret of of. When I look back at my time at university, um, you know, I did a politics and philosophy degree. I was not in, I, you know, I did not have eight till five lectures every day. Let's say there was a lot of uh, self-guided, independent yes. learning time. If I look, if I look back now, and I think, actually, I probably could have done a lot more with my time that was there if I had just gone, you know, if I'd gone to that talk or I joined that society or I'd gone to that group and, and done more with it. And uh, I think everybody gets gets filled with a little bit of remorse of if only at university I'd X, Y, Z, or if only I'd done this or if only I'd done that. And well, well, I suppose there are two things going on there, Wes. And, and one of them, yes, looking back, one always says that. The, the first point I, I want to make there is, we have some assistance now in the process, such as this guide that I've written, but also we have another problem creeping in and I'd like to address this, and this is finance. A lot of students now, you know, they're working nearly full-time to, to facilitate their university education and they're working part-time, they're working with, and we're kind of saying, okay, hold on a second, are you at university? Or are you not? Or are you working? Or are you not? Oh, how do we get the balance right there? And I think if a student goes to university and plans to work 40 hours a week somewhere on top of that and achieve well academically, a question, unless they're absolute geniuses, is that possible? Even from a physical point of view of, of fitting in around a timetable. And I go back to your point about philosophy. And, and uh, if only I was reading uh, an article that was written in by a parent uh, whose son was studying law and uh, she said it was an absolute disgrace the number of hours, contact hours that the student had with the lecturers at university and at school, this child excelled and whatever else. And I, I just thought, oh, there's something missing. The independent learning that you spoke about earlier on, that is where it's very challenging for the arts humanities students whose timetable is not full, yet they are expected to produce quite masterpieces of work in terms of essay writing and in depth of research and all of that kind of thing. So uh, those kind of degrees are not for the faint hearted because there's a lot of free time. 
therefore you have to manage that free time. The temptation is maybe to go maybe and sit on a bar stool or sit on coffee docks and just, or to lie in the bed all day and not bother. But I would call out, you know, everybody on that and say, look, don't do, you know, everybody's entitled to a lazy day, but make your lazy days very occasional and pick them. So, you know, make every day work for you some way is what I would say to students. Get a new heart and get, you know, it's a privilege to actually be, to go forward to get this few years. And regardless of who's paying for it, the purse, it has to be funded. Someone's paying for it. So if we pay for it, let's try and get the best value. You are absolutely right. Uh, I, I certainly... Uh... I, I probably should admonish myself slightly for some of the lazy, the rather <laughs> rather common lazy days that happened whilst I whilst I did my degree. But um, I won't tell. I promise I won't tell. Us. Oh, please don't, please don't. You know, as uh, said, I think if I'd been slightly more business minded or had the availability of some of you know the the gig working apps that that are around now, I think I probably would have had a much more comfortable financial university experience. Given uh, <laughs> if I turned half of the half of the lazy time into something productive, um, I think the um, unfortunately we're 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 out of time now. Um, but it's been really fascinating to to hear your perspective you know you've got a lot of experience in this to 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 hear how you how you're trying to help students kind of survive that first year and and, and develop those key skills and fill those gaps that they, they, they either have or feel that they have um, and really kind of pushing that message to to engage to get involved to to get outside of the comfort zone um so all I think there is to say now is thank you so much to my guest, uh, Catherine O'Connor, um, who uh, whose book, The Surviving Your First Year at University Student Toolkit, is, is available. Um, I highly recommend uh, if you're a student or if you look after first-year students or are a parent looking at sending a student to, um, to university, it's a really good piece of advice um, for them to pick it up, help them develop and help them start them on their own journey. So, Catherine, thank you so much for joining us um, on Blended today. Um, you've been an absolute joy. And thank you, Wes. It's been a joy for me, too. And that's all we have time for today. Thanks for the contributors on the webinar for sharing their perspectives with us and giving us an insight into their world. If you want to learn more about what McGraw-Hill can do for you, please visit mheducation.co.uk and you can find updates about upcoming webinars and events there too. All the links are in the show notes. If you've got something to say and would like to get involved in an episode of Blended, please get in touch with us too. Until next time, I've been Wes and this was Blended.